0: Morning, everybody. Uh, great to be with you. Great to be here in person. Thanks again for those of you who are visiting with us. My name is Dave. I'm the pastor here, and I've been on sabbatical for the last couple of weeks. So it feels great to be back here in the room. And man, yeah, you guys—few weeks. <laughs> weeks. It's been, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been more, more weeks than you know, yeah, not as many weeks as it should have been. More weeks than anybody else wants. So anyway, great to be with you. Um, you ever have the experience of, of getting caught caught out in a storm? Like being out on a lake in a rowboat or a canoe or something like that, and the storm hits, and all of a sudden you you realize like you, you know, man I'm in I'm in trouble, and and all you can think about when you're in that sort of scenario is is hanging on, you know you're gonna get a little wet, things are gonna get a little m- murky, and all you're hoping for is that, man I hope nothing gets broken, and I hope nobody gets hurt. That's the last year, the last year give or take. We we've been hanging on in a storm, but when the storm ends, you gotta clean up the yard. You got to get back to shore. You got to put things back in order. And that's what we're doing here. Not just here at church, not just here in our country, but here in our hearts, man. We, we've been hanging on for a long time going, God, get us through this. God. Well, now we're through. And now it's time for us to put our houses, to, to put our families, to put our businesses, to put our country, to put ourselves back in order. We got to clean up the yard, so to speak. And, and more importantly, we got to get back to the business of building things better than they were. Because there's a lot of people that are gonna wallow for a long time, but that's not you. And there's a lot of people that are gonna lament what they've lost for a long, long time, and that's not you. And there'll be a lot of people looking to go back to the way things used to be. That's not you either, man. No, we're we're moving forward. So as a church, we, we just wanna be real clear, man. We it's time for us to, to come back to the people that God has called us and designed us to become. And and there's, there's lots that that got shook up this year. But, but now it's time for us to be part of the solution for how we move things forward. And, man, that's what I want. The reason, the reason we come together, the reason we gather together at church, is not so that we can have a full room. It's so that we can hear the teachings of the Scripture. We can be motivated and inspired by the Holy Spirit. We can provide edification and encouragement to remember who God's calling us to be and what God's calling us to to do. So now it's, it's time to come back to our senses, come back to reality, come, come back to being who we are. Amen? All right, we're going to worship God with our giving this morning. And uh, we want you to give, give generously and sacrificially. I've been studying in Proverbs a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and I love that the promises of Proverbs to the generous people are that they will have their, their vats overflowing with sweet wine, which is such a hilarious image. I don't have vats, and I don't like wine, but if I did like wine, I would want my vats to spill. So, give with that spirit, that sense of confidence in God's providence. Ushers, come forward. Let me pray for us, and then we get a short video for you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're we're pleased and happy to be together in your house. And we ask today, God, that, that you'd speak to us. That you'd speak to us individually and corporately. About, about who we are and who you've called us to become, about the ways in which we must mature and the ways in which we must grow, the areas of our life that, that need reflection and repentance and sobriety and the areas of our life in which you're, you're leading us to the next and the next and the next glory and plateau for you and for all you're doing in the world. Lord, we give to you the spirit of gladness and joy and all God's people said, amen. It's time to come back. It's It's time to come back. It's time to come back to your senses. It's time to come back to who you are. It's time to come back to your values. Time to come back to your family. Time to come back to your community. Time to come back to a spirit of openness and togetherness, of friendship, and love. It's time to come back together as a people, as a church, as a country. Come back to adventure. Come back to a sense of normalcy. Come back to doing life with other people. Come back inside. Come back to being able to smile at people. Come back to family. Come back and enjoy the camaraderie. It's time to come back to our God-given destiny as people designed for community, for unity, for purpose, and for cooperation. It's been a crazy year. Now, it's time to come back to yourself. Or, except for the nine o'clock service, Um, and I thought I I would just uh, preach, for lack of a better term, a patriotic sermon. Now, of course, I'm an American citizen born abroad. I got dual citizenship for Canada and the States, Um, but I chose to live here, and I love it here. And, and over the last couple of weeks, couple of months, you know, there's, there's been, so, of course, so much turmoil, so much angst in the country. I mean, flag burning, rioting, people turn their backs on, uh, on, the, on the, the flag, people turn their backs on the gun. And there's, there's just so much tension, and it, and it troubles me. Um, because, of course, there's things wrong with our country. Of, of course. No country is perfect. But, but you can't fix anything just by screaming at it and criticizing at it all the time. That doesn't mean that people who have appropriate grievances shouldn't be heard it just means that there's got to be something more than grievance there's got to be a, a vision that pulls us forward together into creating something new now, Peter Drucker the German management theorist said that you always have to build on the islands of health and strength so what are the, what is the health and strength of the United States you know Jesus said it perhaps a little differently but he said you know if you seek first the kingdom and the righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. What, what other things are we talking about? You know, peace, harmony, prosperity, uh, progress. You know, I, I think, I think maybe just today, it seems appropriate. Like my, like my, like my outfit. I don't know what word. I don't. Know. I'm a man. I don't have outfits. My ensemble? No, that's French. That's not a good. You know, but my, like my, Just, just today, I like to look at, at three areas where I think there's resonance between the gospel message in our American heritage. Now, of course, there's probably many, many more than that. And I think it's important to acknowledge that every country could and should do this. I mean, you could have three areas of resonance with the Canadian Constitution and the Gospel or the the Cuban, whatever it is. And, you know, the, the point is just, for us today, we want to start with loving our neighbor as ourselves. And you can't love your neighbor if you hate yourself. If all you can do is see your own flaws, all you're going to be able to do is see the flaws in others. But until you learn to appreciate what you got and who you are and what you get to work with, it's really, really tricky to see what anybody else has and what they've got to work with and value them. So again, lots that could be said. And of course, there's always a caution whenever you mix nationalism and faith. And so we acknowledge that caution. We'll be good about that. But I just thought today, um, as somebody who was born abroad, I'd share with you my own personal reflections on, on honestly, what's so... What's so great about living here? And the first and foremost is is equality. Now, we we haven't always done a great job of living out our ambition for equality, but let's acknowledge that that ambition is at the very part of who we are. I realized um, on my sabbatical I'd never read cover to cover the Constitution, and so I thought, you know, I've been living in the States for almost 20 years. I better read the darn thing. I mean, what if it says something really bad in there? turns out it doesn't. Of course, it starts out, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I love that. Time out for just one second, and, and please recall that like we're living in a country that some people made up I find this such a hilarious Nicolas Cage movie level of adventure. Like, like once upon a time, there's people living in all other parts of the world, and they start thinking about what's wrong with their government, how people are corrupt, how governments tend toward tyranny, how power perverts, how people don't have opportunity to move forward, to pursue their dreams, and they think there's got to be a better way to live. There's got to be a better kind of country. So they made one up. That's hilarious. They made one up. That's so amazing. And they start with the best political theorists, the best economists, the, the best governmentalists, the best philosophers, the best academics. I mean, they get the smartest and the bravest and the boldest people to cooperate together. And the first thing they say is, guys, We're all equal. Duh. Self-evident. We're equal. Now again, we haven't always lived up to that ideal, but that's our ideal. And we can point at all our flaws, and, and sometimes those should absolutely be acknowledged. But rather than just pointing out all the ways in which we're wrong, let's celebrate the ways in which we want to be right. We want to live in a world where the equality of all people, young, old, black, white, rich, poor, male, female, young, everybody, is on a level playing field. We want that. Now, when Jesus would walk around and teach in first century Palestine, he often talked about the message of God's kingdom. And people misunderstood Jesus sometimes. And they thought, well, that God's kingdom was a place you could go, like Israel. You know, it's a geopolitical reality. It's an economic reality. It's a place you can visit. And Jesus said, no, you're totally missing the point. The kingdom of God is within you. When you behave in ways that honor the king, you're living in the kingdom. When you follow the king, you're living in the kingdom. You want to know what it means to be a real Israelite? You know what it means to be caught up as the people of God? Then when you're living on mission as the people of God, when you're in step with the Holy Spirit of God, then you're, then you're the people of God living in the kingdom of God. And I think if Jesus was to visit the United States today, he might have something similar to say to us. Now I realize that's speculative and, you know, hold your horses. Don't anybody run away and go crazy with that. I just think that... When I talk to other Christians, they imagine, by and large, that if Jesus was to visit the United States today, he'd be angry. He would tell us we ought to be ashamed of ourselves, and he would promise judgment. And I go, well, maybe, but maybe, hang on, hear me out, maybe he doesn't totally hate us. I mean, maybe he like 97% hates us, but there's like 3% of the grace of God somewhere in there. I just, I just think that when we live as people who celebrate equality, we're living in the kingdom of God. Therefore, in Christ, Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, circumcised nor uncircumcised, because you you you're people your people. Like Genesis tells us, all people have been made in the image and likeness of our Creator. To celebrate equality is to celebrate how God made people and how God made people to live. And I love that the Constitution goes on, of course, and talks about the the pursuit of of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How hilarious is that? No other Constitution talks about happiness. But you know, the, the gospel has a lot to say about life John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Deuteronomy, choose life. Liberty, Do you think the Bible's got anything to say about liberty? Yeah, one or two things. The Apostle Paul kind of had it on his mind. And the pursuit of happiness? What the Old Testament refers to is the shalom, the undifferentiated peace and wholeness, uninterrupted goodness that flows back and forth between creator and creation. Yeah, the, there's resonance there. Now again... I don't think we're perfect people by any stretch. Um, But today, in the spirit of edification, encouragement, admonition, I go, let's just acknowledge that there's some stuff we can build on here. As Christian people, as American citizens, like there's, there's stuff to work with here. And we ought to authenticate it. Of course, I think about the amazing words of Frederick Douglass or uh, Martin Luther King Jr. I mean the people who advocated so passionately and so fearlessly for future equality and I think we still need those voices today not not everybody's equal yet so so our work's not done yet but rather than talking about what they don't have or what they have or let, let's keep holding up the ideal and pushing pressing on towards that goal of living in a world where people are equal and so you and I got to constantly be asking ourselves, am I, am I helping the people who are less fortunate get the same opportunities and advantages as me? Am I using what I have to love and serve and bless others to, to, to raise them up? I think that's a, a kingdom question as much as it is a, an American question. Um, secondly, I find huge uh, gospel resonance in what i I as a as a foreigner, identify as the most of all the most American of all American traits, and you might think it 's freedom um, and just bear in mind that of the like two hundred and eighteen countries in the world, like one hundred and ninety of them have freedom, but you know just the most American trait I think is is large it's bigness. It's a dream. I mean, the same spirit that gave us the, uh, the national parks, these huge areas for public enjoyment. It's the same spirit that motivated Andrew Carnegie to donate the library so that all the information of humanity could be shared among all people. It's the same spirit that, that, that prom- promoted, uh, or prompted John F. Kennedy to say, we, we choose to go to the moon. Like, how audacious is that? Now I don't know if you've been to the moon I'm uh, I'm hoping to go sometime on my next sabbatical um, but like there's nothing there there's nothing there why did we go to the moon like because the, the Russians killed the dog somewhere up there by accident like what was the point of them how much real estate Investments are there on the moon. How much have we benefited from mining the moon? What's the best NHL team on the moon? Like nothing good happens, on, nothing happens on, it's nothing, you know, it's just, it's just a dream. It's a dream. you know, in most other places I've been, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, sadly, uh, Canada, South America, I mean, I've been to 45, 47 some odd countries, almost everywhere else without exception. When you tell somebody your dream, they respond with, that's kind of dumb. Almost everywhere else, people belittle and disparage dreams. You want to write a book? Well, don't quit your day job. Well, what, the arts don't count. What, you, you think you're going to be an Olympian? Oh, that, that's silly. It's just track and field. What? no, 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 do something practical. But here, like we, we love dreams. And dreams, not because they have some huge payoff or reward. Dreams, not because they're easy. Dreams, because they do something to the human spirit. They elevate us. So Kennedy says, we choose to go to the moon. Not because it's easy. Because it's hard. Because it's going to require everything that we have inside of us. It's going to test our metal. It's going to test our ingenuity. It's going to test our resolve, and that in and of itself makes it worth. What? That's so gorgeous. What parent doesn't want that for their kids? What lover doesn't want that for their beloved to find out everything that's inside of them and pursue it unrelentlessly? What a magnificent and biblical and godly quality. First Samuel uh, chapter fourteen. Jonathan, the son of the king, is in the midst of a battle and he's just getting decimated. Just, just absolutely outmanned, out resourced, outmaneuvered. There's not even enough weapons for the Israeli army to reasonably compete in this fight. And Jonathan says, Let's keep fighting, let's press on. Because who knows what the Lord may do on our behalf. I love that. Oh, well, you think we're going to lose? Well, don't quit. Let's give God something to work with. Oh, are you, are you outgunned? The odds stacked against you? You're poor? You're broke? You got no friends? You got no resources? You got no education? Well, don't quit. Because who knows what God might do on your behalf? You don't know what steps to take next? You don't know who's going to help you. You have no opportunity. You have no imagination. Don't quit. Because who knows what God is going to do if you just stay in the fight. Now, Jonathan's armor bearer has no sword. And he's there next to his friend. And he says, Do all that God has placed within you to perform, and I will never leave you. What a amazing set of loves, of values, of friendship. Yeah, man, we are going down swinging. No matter what, we won't quit. No matter what, we won't turn around. No matter what, we won't back off. We're not going to backbite each other. We're not going to throw garbage at each other. Together, we are going to stand up and give God something to work with. That is a precious and rare quality, and we need more of it, not less of it. Now listen, and I'm naturally a cynic. Everybody who knows me knows I can be a little sarcastic, knows I can be a a little sneering. Every time I read that thing in Proverbs, blessed is he who does not sit in the seat of mockers, I go, ah, crap, there must be a translation error. You know, because look, I know what it's like. To to feel burdened by the, the spirit of the age, which is to say, what's the friggin' point, man? But you know what? Every time I read the scriptures, I am chastised and challenged to be different, to be a believer. And I see that same spirit. Who knows? But what God might do on our behalf here in the United States, and I love it. I love it. Now, when you travel abroad, people will talk about the largesse of Americans. Sometimes they mean that we really like fast food. We do. That's not one of our finer qualities. Sometimes, and this is my favorite, it means we really like big hair. Honestly, Americans have the biggest hair of anyone on the planet. You can go anywhere. Their heads look like little pins. But here, you've got a constellation on your shoulders, bro. But this idea that, that there's more for you, that God leads us, through desire, and through noble ambition. That the seeds of the future are planted in the heart of the church. This this is a good idea. This is a godly idea. And when we look around at our lives, we undoubtedly hear the people around us saying, listen, just calm down. Don't worry so much. Don't try so hard. Why are you going to be so busy all the time? Just be content with what you have. Don't worry about it. But did you know there's another voice? There's another voice that says, go into all the world and bring good news to all creation. How are you going to do that if you're just staying at home all the time? How are you going to do that? There's another voice that says, go to the people in Macedonia. Go to the people in Marshall. Go to the people in mid-Michigan and tell them who I am and what I'm worth. There's something other than just resting. And the time for us to rest is over. We just had like a 14-month-long Sabbath. We're ready, man. Get your sunburn, Get your flag. Get out there. Because there's good work to be done for people who cooperate with God. So I love that in the United States we have this, this ideal of equality. It's a biblical ideal. I love the United States. We have this, this spirit of largesse, of ambition and dreams. That's a biblical spirit. It's a right spirit. And I also love, however imperfectly we've executed it, I love that we are a people of justice. I mean this in two directions. One, I mean this in, in charitably, like the poem, The New Colossus, that's engraved on the Statue of Liberty. Bring me your poor, your broken. I, I love that we're saying, look... America is a land of opportunity. You might be poor over there, but when you get here, you get a chance to start over. Over there, you might be a second class or a third class citizen. You might be in a different caste. You might not speak the right language. You might not have the right look. You might not have the right family connections. Maybe you're not part of the aristocracy. But here, we don't have lords. We don't have kings. We don't have dukes. We don't have titles. We have Americans. And you get to do whatever God has put in you to do. I love that. So I love that our sense of of justice means we welcome people in so that they can work and pursue their own opportunities ambitions and desires. that that's good I also love and I realize this gets us into trouble a lot I love that there's times where we stand up for what's right abroad now I'm not a violent man I know that when you look at me you think there's a man who probably eats choo-choo trains for breakfast and I do you know Um, but but do you know every country on the planet with a standing military has military presence abroad Canada has six people in their military they're all over the world they share one gun goes back and forth through the post you know so sometimes people go I can't believe we have American troops in Germany or Turkey or whatever I understand that it's just but play fair that's kind of how militaries work And and sometimes people go, well, I'm I'm not sure that everything we do overseas is right. Of course not. No no country gets it perfectly. If you're going to talk about how we screw it up, let's go ahead and talk about how the British Empire screwed it up once or twice. Let's go ahead and talk about how India and Pakistan screwed it up once or twice. China doesn't have a great track record. Brazil, they got great beaches, not a great track record. I mean, nobody gets it right all the time. But I, I love that deep in the spirit of the United States is an an. An aspiration to do what's right now we don't not always and there are people who've corrupted that aspiration they should be held accountable for that but deep inside there's a desire to do what's right and Colin Powell former um, Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State who I man greatly admire was once being needled in a TV interview by the Archbishop of Canterbury that's the head of the Church of England and he was accusing the United States of being a bully How come you start all these wars, you get involved in all this other stuff, and you just want to show up with hard power and exert, you know, sort of the Team America, World Police kind of spirit? And uh, Colin Powell took umbrage to that. He said, there is nothing in American history, experience, culture, or ethos that demonstrates we ever want to use force. But sometimes you have to. It wasn't diplomacy that ended the Second World War. It was force, and all. And this is the quote that I love, and all we've ever asked for in return, for defending Europe, defending the Middle East, all we've ever asked for in return is land to bury our own dead. Now, war is ugly, I hope we never have one. I was very grateful that in recent years, we've been involved in fewer and fewer of them, I'm a military family. I got lots of friends in the military. It's gross that we have to fight. Sometimes you got to fight. But I love that at the very least, when we fight, we're trying to do what's right. And I hope that our desires are purified and scrutinized forever. Because again, we're not a a nation where everybody gets to be equal. But we want to be. We're not a nation where everybody gets the freedom to pursue their dreams, but we want to be. We're not a nation that always gets the exercise of justice and charity, right? But we want to be. And for you and I, we have to realize that the way forward is to highlight our ambitions, to highlight our dreams. The way forward is for us to say, yeah, we've screwed it up and we've got to acknowledge that, but we can't just get quagmired in the past. We must also hold to these ideals. We must also press forward into the future, especially now while we're trying to build something better. Because you can't fix anything by endlessly critiquing it. At some point, you've got to build. And you gotta build better. And nobody's gonna do it perfect. There's no such thing, I don't think, as a Christian nation. Uh, the nations are a relative recent invention, only the last three, four hundred years. No, but but you and I, we can be global citizens, and we ought to be, for God so loved the world. We ought to be global citizens and American patriots. And if we were in Canada, we'd say Canadian patriots. And if we were in Russia, we'd say Russian patriots, global citizens, American patriots. And most significantly, Christian servants. We are here to work with God in the ongoing redemption of all there is. So today I just thought, you know, it's worth maybe just a, a booster. Once in my life, once in my life I wanted to preach a 4th of July sermon. Felt good to do it on the 4th of July, coming back from sabbatical. Really, I just wanted to wear red glasses to distract you from my mohawk. But really, I thought, you know, just today, let's... Let's not be caught up in the spirit of the age that just wants to deconstruct and to flame and to troll. Let us be people who rise above our circumstances, who help one another forward into the future with God's help for God's glory. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you again for the privilege of your word, your church, your story, and your future. Oh, we know you're not finished with us. Not any one of us. Not all of us together. Your Holy Spirit is refining us. It's convicting us of our sin. It's exposing error and darkness in our thoughts. you're, you're, You're shining light into the dark crevasses of prejudice, of bitterness, of resentment, and of anger. So, Lord, we submit to you and invite you to have your way in us. Keep changing us. Keep reforming us. Keep maturing us. Keep glorifying us so we can work with you to heal the world. These things, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. And all God's people said, amen. "Amen."